Welcome to another edition of the Jackass Cast, and well done for being fortuitous enough to be in between your ear holes at this precise moment in time, because you get to listen to another amazing guest, Mr. Murray Atkinson, best known for his work with that chart-topping beat combo odds and his allegiance with that reprobate Craig Northey and the other two lads, Doug and Pat. And obviously they did the theme tune Happy Place for Corner Gas that you can hear at the end of every episode. Murray also has a solo career and his latest project, Tubed, is available in all your favourite downloady or streaming places. And if you don't know what your favourite downloady or streaming places are for music, then ask the kids what you're paying for and they'll tell you where you need to go and look and find and type in Murray Atkinson, Tubed or Tubed pronunciation of that is discussed later on you'll hear that in a moment and once you've tapped it in there it will be to behold in all its glory murray and his new tracks rocking it out like there's no tomorrow like his fingers are aflame they're working so hard just for your entertainment pleasure now this interview ran extremely long because i was really enjoying myself being a musician i like talking to other musicians and asking them about their processes and how they play their instruments. And because of that, we ran on for ages. So if I was to release this in all its unfettered glory, you'd be sat there with a numb bum and the threat of possible deep vein thrombosis. And I'd rather not the legal situation that might cause. So this is going to be in two parts. You can have this little bit now. And in a week's time or so, I'll release the second half of the interview where we get on to all sorts of other exciting topics. And please don't forget that this interview is brought to you by www.cornergasfan.com The one website that you need to go to for all the latest information about Cornergas, Cornergas Animated, all the cast or crew and any related projects that they've got going. It's all there and I hope you enjoy it. But in the meantime, here's me and Murray. Thank you for coming to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, we've been talking about it for months and months and months, and yeah. finally have now gotten our asses around to doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah, it's uh, a lot of it's my, my fault. Just recently, being so busy, life gets in the way. Same thing with me. I had a busy summer with completely other things. Obviously, not busy uh, with touring or gigs or any of that because that has gone poof. Yeah. How how has that been affecting you? I mean. I mean, like many other Canadian, especially Canadian musicians, you, you've got to do mul- multiple things to survive. So I do have a day job that I do from home. It's kind of in the, in the game, video game publishing world. And that's just, it's just completely separate, right? It's, it's uh, you know, I, I do it on my own pace. I do it from home, which is, which is kind of nice. So I can kind of 
easily work my schedule around gigs and all that other stuff, right? So I've had a lot more uh, time at home, uh, especially on weekends. I had a lot more, I mean, it, it sucks not playing live, but at the same time, I've had a lot more time to kind of work on my own music at home. Right? I wouldn't have had all those extra hours during the week to do that. So there's, I mean, there's, there's good and bad. I mean, I haven't seen the guys and the odds since the first week of March. Really? No, wow. that was the last time. That was the last time any of us played live. And yeah. yet you put out so much stuff in the in like while we were in lockdown. There was all those videos that you guys put out, which were awesome. Right, right, right. Oh, those are yeah. I mean, those were all just filmed separately, and then somebody who's got the magic software just puts them all together and makes it look like we did it all at the same time. So <laughs> don't tell anyone. Oh, no, no, the secret's safe with me. Don't you worry. Well, that was fun. I mean, that's what a lot of us needed. I sort of share everything you guys do by rote, really. But those videos went down so well, and everyone's <laughs> watching, rewatching. Yeah. Uh, did you get a lot of feedback from it? We got tons, tons. And I mean, if you when you look at the the, the metrics of it and 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 stuff, uh, yeah, they were they were very well received and had got lots of hits and lots of viewership, lots of engagement. But we kind of stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We haven't done one since since May, maybe. I spoke to Craig about the same time, and I was ribbing him for being a lazy git because he. <laughs> I said, "It's like you never do anything." It's like <laughs> I, think, I think during the whole thing, he's been the busiest out of all of us. He's been in, it's insane. I don't know how he manages to to fit it all in. It's just crazy. Well, and now with this, even with this extra time, not having to travel and gig, and, and I mean, he, he gigs, I mean, he gigs more than I did. He does a, a lot of stuff. I mean, we do odd stuff, and then we we do odds with Stephen Page only a few times a month, maybe, but then Craig was out with Stephen Page doing the the trio gigs a lot, yeah. like like yeah. significantly more than odds-related gigs, so... I remember, I remember him sitting in a van in the backseat of a van with a laptop, a little keyboard, headphones. We did <laughs> a trip down to Seattle and did some gigs with Stephen uh, Page in Seattle and Portland uh, last year. Actually, last September, about exactly a year ago. Craig was, he was so slammed with, with deadlines for the corner gas. Yeah. Right? And uh, <laughs> there he was in the, back of the, in the back of the SUV with his laptop, keyboard, headphones. Composing. <laughs> TV, TV music, it can be done. You can record music for a TV show in the back of a car. Exactly. I, I, I like the idea of maybe hitting a pothole while he's playing the guitar and hits a massive bend by accident. Oh, actually, that works quite nicely. I'll and then that it's, that, it's that thing that you would never have done, but <laughs> yeah. it turns out that it was cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. A happenstance. A happenstance. A happy happenstance, yes. Indeed, yeah. I've got to thank you for having an extremely good bio on your website because really? lots of people don't. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's good to hear. Good to know. Yeah, I mean, when I do the, like, I do interviews or I just plain write, I like to write biographies of different people that have been on the show and. And there's no information out there whatsoever. Uh, I went straight to your website and it was all there. It's like, I could be incredibly lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Pace, right? Exactly, done. Got so many pages of notes that we may be here till next September. So I do apologize for that. <laughs> but technically, <laughs> it's your <own. laughs> 
Like I said, it's a free time, so let's do it. I'm thinking that maybe this little chat might go down in the annals of history as being a meeting of two of the greatest guitar players that ever walked the face of the planet as well. It's, that, it's well overdue. Because well overdue. I, I'm well known. Don't look it up on Google or anything, because... But I am the no. best guitar player in England. <laughs> and Google, Google won't know. No, they, they, they don't. Want to admit it? Well, yes, I think you. I think you, they won't admit it because they got to admit that they're wrong about all those other guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. That Clapton fellow, whoever, and yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. I mean, come on. It's it's all about numbers, really. But um, yeah. it's interesting. I was reading your bio, and, and and being that we're roughly the same age, and we both started playing guitar about the same time, it seems. But you're so much better at it than I am. What happened there? <laughs> uh, a lot of weekends uh, at home, not going out to parties when my friends were, I think is probably yeah, a, so lot of, a lot of sacrifice to good times, I think. So same here. I, I, remember, I, I, spent, I, I started learning roughly when I was 10. It was something I dabbled with for a while. I didn't really get properly into it till I was at university. And then I was practicing for four, five, four, five, six hours at a time. And it that was when I should have been doing all those other things. But yep. music yep. got in the way. College, college days, man, I was I was doing the exact same thing. It was literally and I was so kind of nerdy and focused, but kind of geeky about it because I used to write down, I used to chart out my practice sessions. Oh really? So I all these exercises. I actually found my. I actually found them in a in a box uh, a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, I would actually chart down <clears throat> the exercise that I was doing, and and write out the speed. So I'd always practice with a metronome and write down the speeds. And every day, I would, when I came back, I would just try and push push the metronome. You know, push it up by one or two beats. Yeah. yeah. And I would also keep track of the uh, the number of hours that I spent practicing. And my, it was my second year of college, the, the whole second semester, which is about, I don't know, three or four months, I think I, av- I was averaging about six hours a day. Yeah. yeah some, days I some, some days I didn't practice, but I mean, some days I practiced for 12 hours. And I, really? I had it all written down. I was like, and that would be on a weekend, right? And I, you know, my friends, my friend, my friends in college, it's like you just turned 19, right? In Canada, that's drinking times yeah and they'd all be uh taken off going down to victoria for the weekend and then i'd be like no guys sorry i want to i'm gonna i'm gonna stay home and practice <laughs> which i look back now and go i probably could have gone out a little more and did some yeah. of that well you were enjoying yourself so you know i know i could enjoy myself but I, I just remember being very focused and i remember i remember turning down those weekends and just some week, some weekends I would just stay in and just practice. And I, it wasn't just practicing. I was also writing a lot of music at that time. You know, I had one of those uh, old primitive compared to what they have nowadays, but I had a, a four track recorder, you know, a drum machine and a, a little guitar interface to, to go into it. And I would just, you know, I would write songs. I would, I would spend the first few hours practicing technique. And then I would, and then I would be creative, and I would write songs, and I just had such a passion and such a motivation for, for creating and and recording and capturing the ideas, uh, even though it sounded like complete. What would you say in England? It sounded like dogs' balls. Is that what you? <laughs> no, the dogs' balls is a good thing. The oh, dogs' good. bollocks, as we say, is 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 excellent. Oh, okay, uh, got it backwards. Um, yeah. Uh, what would we say? Canada, we we just say it sounded like crap. 
Yeah, that would do. Not in like crap. I mean, I, I've still got some old tapes from back then and the stuff that I was recording, I mean, it just did not sound good at all. And the writing was just, it's just so obvious when you're when you're kind of starting out. It's so obvious who you're ripping off, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So all you know how to do at that point is just re- re- regurgitate very closely everything that you've been listening to. You haven't quite gotten smart enough yet to disguise the plagiarism, yeah. right? Any yeah. kind of a unique, at least I had any any kind of a unique stamp to it, personality to it. But uh, it was bad sounding stuff in retrospect. But I was just so motivated and passionate yeah. about it. So yeah, that's how you learn and grow. Is you got to start at that point, and then you you, you figure out what's gone wrong. You listen to it, and with hindsight, you think, ah, oh, that's yeah. where I've gone wrong. And I mean, one thing I've never been able to do is write. I did have lessons to start with, but uh, after a while, I just taught myself. So, mm. And it mostly by ear, and I'm a very instinctive player. And I'm also, I'm deep into blues, which I was going to mention later, but it was it's a kind of, at the time, it, I, my guitar teacher introduced me to Jeff Healy, uh, his first album, and that blew my mind. I was kind of into sort of Atlantic stacks when I first started, even at sort of 10 and 11 and a um, bit of rock and roll. And then I heard Jeff Ely and I was like, well, what's this? This yeah, is amazing. Yeah. I want to do that. And that was me on the path to the blues. And right. uh, I kind of stayed that way. There were exceptions, there are exceptions, but I kind of, kind of blinkered. And it wasn't really until I started writing about the show and discovered like Craig's work and your work and that I started to find other well other Canadian artists really that was like wow this is this is good too and this is you know and people I've never heard of people I had heard of and and that I'd never listened to and it's it's quite quite good really it's much better and certainly as a as as an artist if I if I want to call myself that to broaden those horizons makes playing so much better yeah, 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 yeah. lots of stuff around in Canada. Canada, there always has been. And I'm like you, I, I definitely went through a blues phase. For me, it was Morris. I mean, Steve Ray Vaughan, how can you not love his stuff? But oh. I got into guys like Roy Buchanan and, you know, Albert Collins and Freddie King. And I started with Steve Ray Vaughan, but then, like everybody says, it's like, okay, well, you like that, you got to go back. Yeah. A generation, a generation or more, especially with the blues. And who were they into? And then who were they into? And then who were they into? And then you go, you yeah. get all the way back to the guys like Robert Johnson. And I mean, yeah. does, and does it get any more magical and mystical or better than that? It's 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 amazing stuff to listen to. Oh yeah, just just the stories alone. The, the, yeah. the, Robert Johnson in particular is the, It's like the guy was a ghost almost most of his life and suddenly t- oh and I, I recommend anyone go and find a book about robert johnson and yeah. if you don't know anything about him i mean it's amazing well um and all all nonsense a lot of it is the whole going to the crossroads and playing yeah, for the a lot of, it be, of course a lot of it's aggrandized or whatever it is but the mythology of it i think is very alluring and i think that's one thing that's kind of missing today is that there's no, there's no mystique anymore there's no there's there's no curtain, you know, with the wizard behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like there's no curtain. Everyone, you can see the wizard. I mean, you can see the magic. I mean, it, in a sense, it's kind of cool because you can have a connection. But there's there's something about that mystique that I think is is missing a little bit. Yeah, 
Yeah, so right. you, you don't get stories like that anymore. It's getting a technological error. error. It's just the kids don't grow up with that sort of stuff like we used no. to. Like no. us old ones. I mean, Stevie Ray is um, my personal hero. I mean, I've got uh, my guitar here is a is an SRV Strat. Uh, oh, I got into him two years after he passed away, and the internet not being about where well, it was kind of was. I, I I was buying all this stuff. I couldn't wait. I said I was telling everyone when he comes over, I'm gonna see him play. I cannot wait. And then I think it was about two years before I found he found out he died, and I was I was mortified. <laughs> oh shit! Right? Yeah. Yeah, crazy, but. He's a big, big influence on me. Um, who, who are your sort of heroes, musically or, or otherwise, even? Man, there's been so many different ones over the years. I mean, when I was a kid, I discovered Kiss when I was like six years old, and that kind of ruined me forever. I think it's like <laughs> you do that, and then you want to play guitar, and then they, then that's all you want to do with your life, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that was that's kind of what got me into the whole. Music thing. I took piano lessons when I was a kid, and then I discovered Van Eddie Van Halen. If you want to just talk about guitar players and influences, I, I discovered Eddie Van Halen when I was probably about 14, 13 or fourteen, mm-hmm. and that kind of was just like, whoa, what is this guy doing? That's just insane. You know, you listen to Eruption, and and even though it had already been out for how many how many years, you go, this is just absolutely groundbreaking stuff, and just the way that he did it. I mean, he wasn't the first guy to tap. But the way that he did it, right, was just like yeah. incredible, amazing. From there, it, it went. When I was in college, I got into really got into Steve Vai. His his Passion and Warfare album was was a huge influence on me. I bought the book tab book for the whole album, and yeah. I learned as much as I physically could. You know, even though a lot of it I couldn't play at the tempo he does, he did. I would, I would try just because I wanted to learn. I just wanted to learn the licks. I wanted to know where he's putting his fingers and why those. <laughs> notes right why those notes and why at that god-awful speed <laughs> I've, um, I've been saying the same things about some of the videos you put out <laughs> right, right well yeah my speed isn't quite what it used to be but i mean it's, it's not not really about that so much anymore yeah i like to think maybe that i've matured in the years and I, i'll use i use speed when it needs to be there you know, there's guys that do it because that's kind of all. There was a time when that's kind of all that I knew how to do was play fast. When yeah. I was 21, 22, 23, that's all I kind of knew how to do. And I used to get in shit for it. And I actually got fired from a band for, for doing that. I was wondering about that, actually. So that was your first band that I believe? No, yeah. The bio mentions a band called Playground. That's it, yeah. That, that's yeah. why I got fired from Playground, because I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stop noodling. <laughs> because you, you write you note on there that it's because your rhythm playing wasn't great and oh, so it's a combination of those two things yeah exactly yeah actually the, the yeah. main complaint from the from the drummer was that i was always ahead of the beat i wasn't playing in the pocket i really had and i, I honestly i had no sense of what that actually meant right uh, i mean i had a vague idea of it but until you can actually lock in and control where you play until you have the control of where you play uh, in relation to where the beat is. Like, yeah. I, I had no actual experience with that. And so when I got fired from the band, I was a little bit dumbfounded and kind of confused because I understood what, what, what you know, the, the, main, the main complaint was. 
but I didn't really understand how that actually affects somebody else's playing when you've always got somebody who's kind of pulling you and pulling. I was always pulling ahead. I mean, I've played with drummers who slow down, right? Okay. So I mean, and and, and I've you know, in in the in the time since then, I've played with a lot more musicians, and yeah, sometimes some drummers slow down. Most human beings, most musicians, if they're going to speed up or slow down, they tend to speed up. Right. Um, and I had a, I just had a really poor command of of that at that point in my life because I hadn't. I mean, I'd worked for the time with a metronome, but it was always about becoming faster and faster. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't about learning how to play in the pocket with a solid groove. And I really didn't get a whole. I didn't really get a. a control or an understanding of that stuff probably until i was 25 or 26 and i went through a, a phase where i got into funk music which mm -hmm. is obviously all about the beat i mean the guitar is almost not even important in funk music because the guitar is almost more like playing a hi-hat right funk music you know yeah it's like a tambourine or it's like a hi-hat yeah so when I got into fun music, it was all about playing, with, finding that pocket and finding that groove. And I, I was very, I was lucky enough to play in a band, uh, in a funk R&B band with a guy named Chin. Uh, Chin, he's a kind of a well-known producer or songwriter in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and I played in his band for a while. And, and the drummer and the keyboard player, and he's an amazing bass player. He's the lead singer, played bass, phenomenal. Like sings like Michael Jackson, sings yeah. like Prince plays bass like Marcus Miller, like anybody, like <laughs> an old funk bass player, Larry Johnson or God, anybody. Like he's, he's an amazing musician and the band was incredible. And, and I had to work my ass off to, to be able to play with those guys, right? Do you think guitarists are born rhythm or lead players generally? That's a good question. I mean, I think they might have something to do with your physical abilities right like everyone's kind of wired differently i guess for me i was just really focused on lead guitar <clears throat> lead guitar when i was younger so that's what i kind of worked i practiced and did the most that's probably what i kind of wired my brain the most for but then again i was completely lacking and missing all that other more important stuff which was mm. the rhythm and the groove and you know being able to sell an emotion with rhythm as instead of just trying to blow everybody's minds when you've got your 35 seconds of a guitar solo that happens once <laughs> in a song, right? Absolutely. Not for then, but the rest of the song is, is, is more important, of course. Um, so hardwired, that, or, or yeah, born rhythm or born lead. I'm not too sure. And I mean, my, I don't think that I was born really a guitar player, to be honest. I had to work really hard at it. I was born probably more a piano player, and maybe it's because I started playing, taking piano lessons when I was four. Wow. But as a teenager, I, I didn't, you know, I've never had a good vibrato, for example. Vibrato is something that's always, like, you listen to guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. How he digs into, you know, he can play a fast passage and then stop on one note and just dig into that note and shake the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. I've never been able to really do that, so I would I would depend on you know tremolo bars or whatever to to kind of help. Really, so I really consider myself to have like guitar hands, but I really I I think I worked hard enough at it to that I managed to kind of. I I found at vibrato I went back to BB King, 
Mm. And I watched how he does it. And he and people, I suppose, would maybe, I don't know if it's different for everyone, I suppose, but I, I always thought it would be from the tip of your finger, but he does it from his wrist. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You know, and, and so I, that's how I, like you were saying earlier, so I kind of mimic his play. I wouldn't even begin to say, if anyone's thinking I'm saying I'm as good as BB King, I don't know. <laughs> But that's why well, I, no, found, I found it doesn't best. matter. It's just we all have our references and stuff, and it's, it's yeah, it's about yeah. playing like. But you got to take, you got to get it from somewhere, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened to all those blues players to try and get that, try and get that vibrato. And I remember actually going on a mission. I would go and see guitar players in local clubs and pubs, and guys who had a really good vibrato, I would go up to them and I would talk to them afterwards. And my 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 main question for them was, how do you get that vibrato? How do you do that? <laughs> and some guys the same thing. You know, some guys would it's like the their their fulcrum is here, you know, and they would shake their whole hand. It would be like a and they'd always describe it differently, right? Like some guys have a really good first finger vibrato, but they weren't so good with their third finger. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of different with everybody, but so that's it's yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that I've kind of always struggled with as a, as a guitar player. So just to circle back to your question, I don't I don't even know if I was really actually born a guitar player. I think I just hammered and hammered my way at it enough that I, I got to the point where I could do it with confidence. So how do you think, do you think of yourself would you, as a piano player or a guitar player or like a, I suppose, a multi-instrumentalist? And if that's the case, which is your favorite? I would... <laughs> I think I'm probably deep down. I'm probably more a piano player, and again, that's just could be because that was the first instrument I started learning it when I was four. Piano players go back in my family for generations. You know, my dad played piano, my grandpa played piano, my great my great grandmother played piano. It's been in the family forever. Yeah, yeah. So if there's something that's in your blood, you know, oh, yeah. that can also mean some kids or some people have sports in their blood. Some yes. have computer like computer coding or whatever you know some everyone has different things so there's definitely piano in the uh, in the Alf Atkinson uh, DNA um and there's been guitar players my uncle my uncle played guitar my dad plays guitar uh, you know he strums but you know I'm the only person who I think in the family who tried to become a guitar player when I was young it was a bit a little bit of a okay I'm sick and tired of being a piano player oh, okay I want to be in a band and be a guitar player so by the time I was 18 or 19 I was like, I don't want to play piano anymore. I want to play guitar. That, <laughs> that was the music that I was interested in. So I basically stubbornly, bullheadedly forced myself to become a guitar player, right? Mm. But looking back now, I think, you know, I'm probably more of a piano player. What do I enjoy the, the most? That's a hard question because, I mean, most of what I've been doing lately for the past seven or eight years, I've been doing a lot of the game music stuff. And that's mostly all I'll play. I'll play it on the keyboard, right, to trigger the orchestral sample. So it's a lot of work, orchestral, orchestral music, uh, virtual orchestral music, and it's all played on the keyboard. I probably play more keyboards at home. And when I'm programming drums, it's on the it's on the it's on the keyboard. So I probably play a lot more keyboards at home but live i like playing guitar definitely i like yeah. playing guitar more live okay because i'd imagine people might guess from the way we're both talking and and 
obviously knowing you from odds and most of the people are going to listen to my podcast will know your work with them your solo work is so much different i mean when i first listened to move the tube i was like whoa that's not what i was expecting <laughs> which is a good thing obviously right right um, hopefully in a good way yeah yeah it's quite obvious from the album and obviously previous work as i went back and listen to all your other stuff that steve i connection and the, the sort of it's more heavy rock i'd say is that right oh for sure yeah 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 i mean if you're going to compare it to odds or you know which is probably if there's anything else i've been known known for is is playing with the odds and yeah if you're going to compare it to that then it's, yeah, it's definitely it's more hard rock which i think kind of plays back to my 90s influences you know i was super super into soundgarden and they're probably my favorite band of all time, I would, I would say. You know, the Sound Gardens and Nirvana and, and all that kind of stuff is a, a little yeah. more hard rock. And I mean, I even went through metal phases, right? Like I, when I was in college, I was into, from, from Steve Vai, I kind of went into, you know, I was, I was into guys like Marty Friedman and Pantera <laughs> for a little while. Like I, I kind of got into some, some metal and, and uh, so I've kind of been into all different kinds of, of music. But the focus with with Mubletude was kind of put out some stuff that was a little more a little more hard rock for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic album. As I say, it sort of broadened my my horizons. So many things I've listened to in the last five years have sort of stretched my enjoyment of, of music and different projects and such like. I, have I pronounced? I have I, I pronounced that right? Have I? So it's Mubletude. I actually kind of like the way you pronounced it better. Mubla? So what is a mubla and, and how is it tubed? <laughs> um, well, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, well, I don't, I kind of don't want to give it away. What, what it, what it actually, uh, uh no cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. I kind of don't want to give it away because nobody's really figured it out yet, but so is I'm, it something I'm, I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it hang. I'm just gonna let it hang. Is it something that we could work out then if if we got a Sherlock Holmes hats on? Oh sure. I'm up for the challenge. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I would love to see I mean it's it's something I haven't to be honest, man. I mean I put that out in, in March and then the world went for a shit and you know, oh. I uh, I kinda I didn't give up on well, I, I kinda gave up on it. I was like, well, with all this other stuff going on, you know, putting out and, and talking about music and stuff is really kind of not that important right now. But then it got to a point where it's like, I got I to gotta do something with this, right? It's just like, I put so much work into it. I hate to just see it fly under the radar and disappear into the, the void. But for definitely for the first little while, I was kind of like, eh, I, I don't even, I didn't really put much, I didn't have much desire to put too much effort into it. So I'm kind of getting back into it now. I'm actually just in the middle of start making a video here for uh, for the song uh, grind, hashtag grinding. Put a little put a little effort into the actual marketing and promotion of it, which is the real work, right? So the album is most is all instrumentals. Yeah, it, it is is pretty heavy, uh, but then you've got a sort of a sorbet in the middle of, of mm-hmm. moonlight, which is a sort of a Spanish guitar piece which is nice and chilled is that by design i wanted to know it goes full throttle and then it just just calms down for a minute and then off we go again yeah it was 
it was a decision that I decided, I mean, you know, I, it, I said the album is focused on hard rock, but sorry, it kind of, I decided kind of last minute to throw a couple extra things, kind of took two songs off the album and kind of hard rocking tunes and saved them for the next one and decided to kind of throw some curveballs in there. And one of them being Moonlight, for sure. Um, simply because I love playing nylon string guitar and flamenco music. You know, when I listen to, again, me and my crazy meandering stylistic adventures, I love, uh, there's a guy named uh, Gerardo Nunez. Right. He's a, like a nouveau flamenco player. He's just mind-blowing right he lives in he's a, lives in spain spanish guy i'm probably saying his name wrong it's probably gerardo nunez <laughs> but um you know i've been a big fan of his for for a long time and you know that so that moonlight song is kind of a little bit darker not jazzy but there's just kind of those altered kind of chords in there right yeah a little dark and dark and haunting so yeah i decided to throw that on the album because i've got a few songs written that are classical nylon string based and then I put that last song at the end the kind of that just epic ambient thing rolling sparse thing to kind of tie into some other stuff that I've, I've been working on and ended up putting out a EP of that kind of ambient music uh, a few months afterwards it kind of it kind of ties the two together and you know I don't know is it a good idea to, is it a good idea to put such different styles on one record i don't know but i don't really have a record label to tell me not to do that so well yeah it's just yeah it works a charm it's because it throws you off balance a bit and then you think oh and and it's probably my favorite track actually oh yeah yeah oh yeah definitely Uh, because it's not something that i'd kind of not i didn't expect it for one and the style and it is so chilled it's lovely to listen to again broadening horizons and it's, right, right. it's great it's really well, good i mean that's kind of my plan moving forward is i do have a follow-up to this kind of hard rock ep and i've got i've got a few songs that are in the vein of moonlight you know i don't know if i'm going to do an ep or something that's going to be focused on that kind of stuff or if i'll just kind of dice or put those in with with other things you know i've got more ambient stuff i've kind of got stuff that's all over the place but that's also, as an artist, I love to explore different kinds of music. You know, I think with just the way things are today, these days, you can you can put out all kinds of different stuff and and hopefully not really lose your lose your audience. Whereas, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, you kind of had to be one thing. Yeah, yeah. The product had to be the same all the time. But I think with today's world, there's just so much of everything out there that. I think it's I think it's fine to put out music that is comp- put out one EP that is completely different than anything else you've done. Yeah. I don't I don't really see the problem with that these days. So because the the follow up the, the one that you just mentioned Ethereum Divine yeah again completely different kettle of fish as as we kind of mentioned now got a kind of a Jean Michel Jarre kind of vibe to it I'd say Vangelis maybe i don't listen to that kind of music at all the only it's it's the reason i made that i made that album so i had something that i could put on at night and fall asleep to (laughs) literally that literally that is why i composed those songs right 
Yeah, yeah. I like listening to music at night, but sometimes you listen to music and it's got boom, boom. It's got the music, you know, has got an attack. Like if you hit a piano note, and there's so much beautiful, relaxing piano music out there. But when I'm trying to go to sleep and I hear a dung, dung, it, it's got that attack. So I wanted yeah. to make an album that had absolutely no attacks. It's all just, you know? Yeah. Every single sound source that is on that record is basically just, just like that, right? Uh-huh. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a gentle and soothing album, and I made that album, so I, I had something to fall asleep to. Ah, well, I, I haven't, I wouldn't like to say, oh, man, I fell asleep listening to that, because that sounds... <laughs> no, but that, that's, that's, kind of, that's the point of that record. Yeah, yeah. That's the point of it. So the, the only part of the, what influenced that also was the soundtrack for, for Skyrim. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? If you yeah. listen to the soundtrack for that album, I mean, there's the typical orchestral scores but he, but that the, the composer jeremy soul i think he has a lot of really really ambient sounding stuff so i mean that's that kind of sort of went for that kind of a vibe uh yeah. when i was making ethereum divine it's so. i'd say that the for all the albums i'd say the overarching theme or name you could give it was cinematic mm-hmm. i mean and 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 everything even the harder stuff they are it just it felt like it belonged to a movie i mean in fact i i taught myself how to write screenplays in the last year or so since since i came to vancouver actually and i wrote, i've written a, a a film that will never see the light of day obviously but while i was doing it i was listening to mobile tubed because it's brilliant for um action scenes it's right, getting me right. fired up to, it's like, okay and and uh, like car chases and stuff i could just imagine it working <laughs> so well behind a, a, a like a, like i say a, a car chase or a punch-up you know mm-hmm. does that ever sort of enter enter into your sort of creation of, of these tunes no i don't i don't think of it in in terms of that how it could ever be used to to match the music to vi- to, to visuals it's just man i don't know i just i, I get a guitar riff in my head and i I hear how the drums should go and I just I just start making it right and if yeah. the energy is right and I get off on it then I'll, I'll I'll see it through to completion but it's always a nice surprise when you get when you land a sync a placement on a television show right it's yeah. always no I mean it doesn't very happen very often but every once in a while I'll get I'll get a sync somewhere none, none of the um Mubla tube songs have have been placed or synced it's only been stuff from that uh, salt march record i put out years mm-hmm. ago that's never been been placed but where, do, where does it show up uh it's been they, they use a few songs on a couple of canadian shows um they used uh, the song the one was placed in an episode of arctic air about i don't know five or six years ago um i just had a placement for el camino oh god what was the tv show Oh man, the show was on. I often look at my emails and let, and let you know. <laughs> I forget the name of the show. Oh, and what a cliffhanger to leave part one on. Do we know what the episode was that that music was used in? When he said El Camino, I assumed it was Breaking Bad, but that's the name of the track, so maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. If you know what show that that track was used on, please send your answers written on the back of a £10 note to the Corner Gas Fan Corner offices and I will gladly accept them and if you win 
um, I'll send your tenor back to you. If you haven't and you don't get your tenor back, well, I'm very sorry, but you guessed wrong. Anyway, part two coming very soon. And we'll pick up where things left off. We'll talk more music. We talk a lot more about odds and all sorts of other exciting things. So don't forget, go to iTunes, Spotify, and go and find Murray's latest album, Moobler Tubes. There's also a video for the track Grinding, which you can find on YouTube and Facebook and other places. Please do go and check it out. It's amazing. And don't forget to also pop by www.cornergasfan.com for all the latest information and interviews relating to Cornergas, Cornergas Animated, and all the other projects besides that the cast are getting up to and such like. We just released our very first video podcast, which is available on YouTube. You can see myself, Brent Butt, Fred Joannick and Long Cardinal chatting wise about Corner Gas Animated Season 3, which you can see at the moment in Canada on CTV Comedy. Hopefully it'll be released in the US very soon as well, before you phone in and ask. It's in the works, it's on its way, and I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait for me to see it, because I haven't seen it. But anyway... Part two of this interview with Murray will be next week. Please do join us for that, and I'll speak to you then. Cheery bye!